0: Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. This week we have a unique episode. Steve O'Mara had a crash when a dog jumped out at him during a triathlon in the summer of 2019, which led to an undiagnosed brain bleed and ultimately emergency brain surgery three months later. Steve's also my husband. So I went through all the details of this firsthand and know it well. Now he came on today to talk about what it's like coming back from brain surgery, what symptoms and issues other athletes should be aware of and how exercise can help with traumatic brain injuries and concussions. He also talks about hitting the Olympic standard in cross-country skiing this winter and earning a spot for Ireland to Beijing and how that didn't quite work out either. And what it's like to finally be riding back outside after two years. First, though, a quick chat with Loris Adal for SID Talks on the PTO board, the couples championship and the new esports tri world championships. All of that after this break. Empower your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but also content across all our network brands, like Outside Magazine, Backpacker, Velo News, and Trail Runner. With an Outside Plus membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, a $50 gear credit to the Outside Shop, which includes our library of training books, resources like our custom 70.3 training course, and clean eating meal plans dozens of training plans through today's plan software, a free event with outside events cycling series, and a discount on any races on Tri-Reg or Athlete Reg. And you get access to Gaia GPS and Trail Forks to help you find great routes and an annual finisher Picks photo package to memorialize your race afterwards. Plus, now all of our members get access to our first ever team triathlete a community of triathletes that includes Q&As with experts, training plans, in-person meetups, and team swag and giveaways. We'll be with you on your triathlon journey from start to finish. Join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus, that's outside P-L-U-S, one word. Become an Outside Plus member today. Okay, Sid is back with the weekly update of how many people are in Girona now. <laughs> it's like,
1: it is, it is. It's like the weekly, the weekly count. It's, we're not looking at COVID figures anymore. They've de- abandoned them and they're out the window. Now it is how many athletes are in Girona. It has gone up again. I think uh, I saw uh, Florian Angert is here. Non-Stanford was here last week. I might've mentioned that. Um, Kate Warr, another British triathlete and her Australian boyfriend- Please forgive me, I've forgotten
0: his name. Uh, Max. Well, clearly he's not in the couples championship yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Girona's the hot place. I mean, I feel very on brand then, because in our next magazine, as people open it, they're going to get a guide to Girona in oh, our destinations. Yeah,
1: well, if you, <laughs> uh, oh, the, Joe Skipper's here with his posse and video cameras yeah. following around. Oh, he, though he is staying at Bagnola's. Which is like a half an hour or so drive, but um, he has been into Girona quite a few days.
0: You know how uh, in like all, like at Western states and like the big ultra races and stuff, they've banned cameras and because like too many, everybody had their own fucking video crew. So probably Girona is gonna have to ban a camera.
1: It is. There is so, like, there's so many, there are a lot of photographers and video content people, which is great, but there's also kind of a lot that do it as influencer space as well and have their own, and yeah. Like I was doing, I was doing a max effort hill rep session last week and I get like, I'm just about to finish the six minute effort and I come past like a bunch of people parked at the side of the road and I knew half of them because again, they're kind of like content creators and stuff like that. And they were doing like a photo shoot and I'm like, Got snot coming out my nose or breathing out my ass, and of course, like Till got the camera out. And he's like taking a few snaps as I'm like folded over my bike. Yeah, okay,
0: yeah, yeah. I tell you, so like I'm in Marin, right? Which used to be like a pretty triathlon hotbed. Obviously, it's like one of the best places to train, in my opinion, in the U.S. Uh, all the triathletes have left though. Like yeah. there used to be a ton of pros here, and they're all they've moved. They've moved to Boulder, Colorado, or uh, a couple have moved up to like Tahoe Reno. Yeah, or down. Anyway, they are like I'm. Like no traffic you are you. the big yeah. name <laughs> you're the name <laughs> it's much it's very nice it's very like it's quiet yeah, yeah. no one <laughs> on the roads so the big news the big news said is you are now on the PTO <laughs> board what does that mean of course, um ha. yes
1: i well so i got voted on um by to the pro the, triathletes organizations yeah,
0: athlete board, board right? well, I got
1: voted on by some of the members, um, right. because not all members can vote, unfortunately. And so, we just had our first meeting, so I was trying to listen and just see the workings and, and how things work. I mean, it we are basically representing the athletes and the members of the PTO and agreeing, disagreeing, discussing any of the some of the topics, thoughts, policies or whatever um, that is coming out from the PTO. Um, I would say that it's probably not always going to be a unanimous decision. So please don't think we've all voted for certain things that have happened. Um, but obviously majority. But uh, yeah, I think the main thing is to to represent the, the PTO members. So, I mean, I will play plug. I'm trying to reach out to the other people that put their names forward as well and just get their thoughts on on why and Mm -hmm. that and reach out to some of the pros. And so, I mean, if there's any pros listening to this, please get in touch with me. Really, I really want to hear your
0: thoughts and opinions, Um, even uh, age groupers, but yeah, mainly the the pros. Who is, uh, the PTO board or the act like there's a there's a fancy board like an executive board but then there's also like an athlete board who's on the athlete board now because it was like alistair brownley yeah. so right like- yeah so there's the commercial board and then the athlete board so um
1: it, yeah it was sort of like yeah rachel joyce and the original mm-hmm. pros that set up or started the pto mm-hmm. so they've served their time so now who's sitting on it it's um yeah alistair's still on sky monch paula mm-hmm. finley and then um, Tim O'Donnell, myself, and Matt Hansen got vo- got voted on this time around. Oh, okay.
0: And I saw the other, the other like, I mean, the PTS sent out press releases like every other day, right? Yes, and the one do. last week was, they or this week, they slashed the age group prices. Because obviously people, I, when I say there was uproar, it's like triathlon Twitter. There was five people who were upset, right? Like, if there was never actual uproar in triathlon, I don't know what the sport would do. But yes. by, like, there was people who were upset about the pricing and so they uh they slashed the pricing now yeah, right yeah I think oh, there it. was a
1: misunderstanding and a, a misjudgment and a miscommunication like they the the, the PTO sort of said these races are going to be sort of a real good price point and affordable for most mm-hmm. people I think they just um got the got that point wrong and, and made a mistake and so have Obviously sort of adjusted that that by listening, you know, listen to the to the uproar um, Mm -hmm. and come back with a much more affordable and reasonable price, I think, for the races involved, especially sort of being first year and things like that.
0: I actually sat they had like this open media call a couple weeks ago with um, Taylor Nib and Sam Long. And as much as I love Taylor and Sam, I mean, they didn't there wasn't like news that they obviously were breaking. Uh, It's always just fun to like listen to them. But the thing that I found out when they were talking about the U.S. Open and the Canadian Open events is that the PTO is actually contracted with local race providers, like, organizers. Yeah. So in the U.S., it's actually USA Triathlon that is putting on the event, which is interesting to me. And obviously, up in Canada, it is someone else. It's uh, Great White North, yeah. um, which, does a bunch of, which is a bunch of – which is, like, a race company. Um so I was asking USA Triathlon about that last week, and and they're they were explaining to me like they're only they they're literally just like ordering the porta potties, putting on the event, and then the PTO is still like running it and managing it. Um, it's an interesting model for sure.
1: Yeah, they've yeah they're using uh, experts in race events mm-hmm. organization to to run it. They realize that's not where their expertise is, but they can provide their. Expertise in other areas to ha- enhance
0: the event and make it make it a real great experience right. for everybody. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So, yeah. um I definitely, I, I'm. It's like I was like, I'm about to say I'm going to do one, and then I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do any races. <laughs> let's be clear, <laughs> <Out of> every time. <retirement. laughs> I don't know, but I do like the hundred k distance. I think it's fun. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good distance. The other uh big race coming up is big race, the couples championship.
1: Oh yeah, I still not got my invite. It was really depressing, wasn't it? Valentine's Day yesterday. And you just see like the whole world of social media like posting all their like lovely couples pictures and I'm like, Yep, here I oh, am. It did
0: seem it did seem excessive this year. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a thing every year, but it felt like somehow it just like caught fire and took off yeah. this year, where like everyone. Yeah. I used to think like kind of like if you're posting this hard, there might be something you're trying to cover up.
1: (laughs) I was trying to think of like some – well, it wouldn't have been subtle, but being about as subtle as a sledgehammer, but like some witty or something. And then I'm like, no,
0: just I'm single. (laughs)
1: Just get over it. It's not happening. I can't even – I'm not going to post a picture with my bike. I'm not going to.
0: I posted a picture of my two cats. They love each other. There we go. They were hugging. Yeah.
1: I would have posted a picture with my dog. I don't have one either. <laughs> <There
2: you go. laughs>
0: like... But we did run a story about the cu- we ran we ran some very schmoopy, uh love photo galleries yesterday. But we also ran a story about the couples championship, and it's and Tim, our British writer, very Brit. I told you I had to cut some of the jokes. I didn't get them. They were all very British. <laughs> I love Tim, but it's great. <laughs> he he did a good job, kind of explaining. I mean, it is pretty. I. he there's a long history of these things it's not like that weird to have couples races couples but when you get into the you know terms and conditions (laughs) it's a little like how are you going to prove you've been dating when does when does dating start (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) is this a legitimate relationship or is this just for the race entry (laughs) it's like a visa run
0: and and he was obviously joking that you should just find someone be in a fake relationships with the money but I was also thinking, like, the people who are couples who aren't doing it, I mean, what does that say about your relationship if you're not willing to do this for $50,000? <laughs> <laughs> who rec- who, who's in there? That, who's not doing it then who's in a couple? Well, weeks? now I don't want to point fingers, but there are definitely couples mm. that are, like, kind of on the DL and aren't doing it. And so then you're like,
1: Because well. they both have – I need to look at the start list again. They both have to be athletes, active athletes, don't they?
0: Yeah, but I think there's like a. I mean, like Emma Palin's doing it with her husband, who's an age grouper. It's not like you have to be a pro or anything.
1: True. So. Okay. Oh, that's what. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, I mean, obviously, most of them are pros. It's like Miranda Carfrey, Tim Hi. O'Donnell, Taylor Spivey, Vince Louise, uh, Kristen Casper, Matt Sharp, um, yeah. Paula and Eric, uh, of course. Non and yeah. Aaron.
1: I think. I don't well. think
0: they're in there. Are they not? There's a, it's a whole, it's like Ash. a whole list. You no, have I, thought, to go I,
1: I thought not an Aaron and Ash and Ash gentle and Josh
0: Ash and Josh are in there. Yeah.
1: Cause Ashley's moved a... up to half distance anyway, or middle mm-hmm. distance. Yeah. Booted by which we decided to step away from.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously there are countries where it's not shocking when people are like, I'm done with this Federation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh...
1: But, but you apparently, what can would be interesting with the couples triathlon is if at, because I think it's like tag team relay, isn't it? That's not yeah, right. yeah. It's like mini super league style. I think it'd be better if they had to do it on a tandem. They had to swim <laughs> tied together and then run like a three legged race or carry each other. There's those couples races where they have to carry each other.
0: That would there be great. No, you going to so do that. You, I did this like half marathon as we talked about. It, and my husband, who's like kind of off seasoning or whatever, he was like, oh, do you want me to do it with you? I was like, no, that would be terrible. (laughs) Of course, actually, the guest today is my husband talking about his brain injury. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. Classic, classic. I've also banned him from talking when he's doing workouts with me. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I think... Oh, I think we might have been
1: saying it last week, but there's like the, um, at the Winter Olympics, there's the, nor I think it's Norwegian right. couple on the curling who have like been having like just marital arguments, like on the ice as they compete, you know, it could be quite interesting. Maybe there's, again, prizes there's or a points whole thing.
0: for the best. Uh, yeah. You can see, especially like, well, okay, so when Marin was a hotbed of triathletes. And I live like on a bike route. and you would see the summer, like clearly people like taking their significant other out for like a ride. And it was. And it was always like, oh, it doesn't look like it's going well. <laughs> like, how are you going to make it home? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Great times. Great times. Oh. But you can also pay seven dollars apparently and watch the couple's championship. Oh, wow. So. Heck, mm-hmm. wow, seven dollars, right? Or you can just wait and let people know. Yeah, let people tell you who won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be for free. For free. <laughs> here's what, for free, you will be able to watch the seventy-point threes this year on Outside TV and on our site. There <laughs> so, we go. Done. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's also a another things you can watch an esports world championship coming up. Yes. And it's like, it's, like, one of the things when I first saw it, I was, like, oh, whatever, the headline. Because they're using the Super League Arena games format. We had that last year. I was, like, this isn't new. But what's new and super crazy, like, actually crazy, is that they've partnered with World Triathlon. So it is a official world title, and you earn points towards your standings in World Triathlon. Like, they're lower-level points. They're, like, Continental Cup-level points. Yeah. Not oh, I didn't like know that last w- bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, and if you get into the weeds of it, which you know, it's what yeah. I do. Uh, because like the points are lower, but the field size is significantly smaller. So you can actually pick up More like points. for people who are trying to like get enough points to like move up on start lists and stuff, it's like a better opportunity for them to pick up some points than a continental cup where like there's sixty people on the start list. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. a great
0: idea. Oh yeah, so that's
1: interesting. Rather than I'm gonna say something out of place which I now can't say
0: <laughs> about nice. the PTO tour and the points.
1: <laughs> and points. Biased. Oh
0: well, cause they're like quadrupling the points
1: or something. Yeah, right? for people racing. Yeah. So not helping those ones that are trying to get in. But anyway, Whatever. we'll pass over that. So
0: the uh but yeah, the esports, they're gonna do it arena game style. There's gonna be three events, so like two and then a championship event, and it'll yep. be like a point like your best. You know, like, it'll be a cumulative you, type of point situation. Can technically
1: any athlete pro, like, pro enter? They're doing it
0: in a combo. So that, like, some, like half the spots are going to be filled with people who are already signed with Super League or something like that. Like, the athletes yeah. already, you know, are on contracts. And then the other half are going to be filled the way world triathlon spots are normally filled, mm-hmm. in that they go to the Federation, and then they do the regular, like, start list... Like you know every na- nation yeah. federation gets a certain number of spots, and then they go to their start list and then they like roll down the start list it, that ca- yeah, it's a very complicated process, but it already exists, so they're just gonna do it like yeah. that, so in theory, you could go do one if you get on the british try on the <laughs> start list yeah, yeah.
1: with every other athlete in the world that seems to be on the British right. try start list going for points for right. the uh, slots in the current in the world championships at the moment, yeah.
0: I just the question is, if you win it, and then you're officially like the e tri sports world champion. Yeah. I mean, do you like put that on your resume? Do you change your Twitter bio?
1: I I reckon so. Yeah, well, <laughs> you get stripes and everything. We've got um, Ashley <laughs> Ashley Mool talk about people who live in actually um, Ashley Passio, who's a South African rider, she won the. Um, I'm going to say Zwift. It probably. The, the e world cycling championship oh yeah right yeah here. but she is she does also ride for uh um like a real team a, a, yeah on the, local on the road team. and she's they've yeah. got a a cycling center set up here they've been here for years and she's a yeah legit legit rider although she has just did you ever
0: retirement oh well i was gonna say speaking of like getting the stripes though like i mean there used to be this thing obviously I see people around here with like stripes on their jerseys like it's a thing but then there used to be a thing too where like people like like age groupers you could get like you could then buy if you won like the nationals or the state championship was a thing too and yeah. you would buy a jersey with the stripes and then you're like
1: is that still a thing people I think just, so do that? I think
0: you yeah. still have that sort of thing
1: for yeah for championships even at whatever level
0: yeah it was a weird it was like because steve my husband won like the state one one time and then they like email him and they're like you have the option of buying like a jersey and it was like well what are you you gonna do with it because it's like weird to wear it right i don't know like i mean do whatever you want to do you do you but
2: yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. So obviously the other thing with the esports and this isn't as true for the arena games because they're all like in an arena riding on trainers so like it's all tested but the but we're getting like the whole cheating virtual cheating thing coming up again with like more yeah people being banned yes. for data manipulation yes on zwift
1: yes. or oh, there
0: are other platforms but the zwift is one
1: that we've uh, yes mm-hmm. recently there's been an announcement of a triathlete who an age group triathlete um who recently won a race in the real world but yeah has been banned from zwift for data manipulation and we had it we had a couple of cases, like, was it last year or the year before now? Last remember, year, yeah. Blurred into Someone... one.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, and sometimes I get it that, like, it's just mistake. Like, I would not even know how I, like, I wouldn't even know how to confirm that my stuff's correct. Agree. To, like, make sure I didn't cheat. Yeah, like- I agree. <laughs> it is like when you're doing
1: the Zwift races, and like, you know, I did the, the Zwift, the Z Pro League and stuff like that. Mm. We had to make sure you had sort of two power sources available. But... These are people that are racing regularly. Right. And, that they, like, and they're really quite know. clear on the rules of what you need to do it, and what you have to do to sign up and, and everything. So it's, yeah, I'm not sure
0: I have any. No, I think it just sort of is what it is. I think Zwift, um, I mean, I went down a deep hole on like regulating virtual racing at the start of the pandemic. And I was talking to the, or, um, talking to them this week about like all the stuff they've improved since then. Like, because they spent the last two, I mean, they have like Zwift yeah. anti- do, do they don't call it doping, but whatever agency. Yeah. Like they have rules. They have like a whole I mean yeah. it's a whole thing, yeah. for sure.
1: They probably have better rules than the current world anti doping and the IOC, but let's not get into that. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just brush over that one. Whatever. <laughs> the dark cloud that is sitting over the
0: Winter uh, Olympics. <laughs> dude, these Winter Olympics have been weird. They've been they weird. Yeah. I'm not feeling. I mean, I will tell you, like obviously, I cry like everything in them, but like it's not as a. Uh, it's not. I'm not feeling as like uplifted. No, as usual. it's weird, wasn't it? No. We
1: were so excited before they started, and both of us being like sports nuts, mm-hmm. and I've just yeah, I, I don't know. It's just weird. I'm not getting hugely
0: in yeah.
1: enamored or inspired, or I mean, the Brits like, unfortunately are having a pretty average time as always, but there's not really been. There's been a couple of good stories like in the again in like the snowboards and the aerials and stuff like that and, and things, but I don't know. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean I've watched there's been things that were cool and I love like Nathan Chen. I watched all of his skating. He's like super, super good. Yeah. Um and he just seemed so happy too. Yes. And so there's definitely things that have been like cool and I've watched a lot. Yeah. I've watched a lot. Yeah. Um but yes, yeah, you're just sort of it's all like a lot of it feels like I'm watching a, a uh, like a train wreck, a car crash. Yes. In some cases where I'm just sort of like, ah! Like, <laughs> I don't know if yeah, I want to watch this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's
1: been cool, like, seeing... Um, like, I was watching The Downhill today, and that's just, like, mm. mental. And then the two-man yeah. bobsleigh. And yeah, I mean... It's, and, and the aerials are always good because they just impress me. But it, it's kind of like that waiting for oh gosh, what's happening? But um, I think was its it? Is it? Yeah. Is it? I'm gonna get
0: this really. Is it Sean White? The is yes, Sean White retired. Retired. And I he, cool. Yeah, I mean, became fourth. There are different people. Don't love him for various right. reasons. But uh, but the first year he won his first medal, One of so one of his competitors this year was 10 months old <gasps> when John White won his first medal. Oh, my God. So that's kind of – the one I did love was the Snowboard Cross Mix Relay. Yes. The two people that won that uh were 36 and 40, and they were just, like, crying and hugging, like, the man and the woman. I think I did um, see that. I loved that as yeah. well. Because
1: that's just, that's just crazy as well, the Snowboard That's cross. just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that.
0: So yeah. there's definitely things that have been really exciting for sure, it's and I not... like the speed skating's interesting, but anyway yeah it is a weird it's a weird there's a weird vibe this year a weird vibe weird vibe yeah yeah but so it's our deep analysis very sophisticated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> analysis there oh, experts yeah. on the couch as always <laughs> i was yesterday like a lot of people who never heard of court of arbitration a sport before have a lot of opinions about it so all of a sudden yes seems like yes yes, yes i think so. uh that's what the olympics is all about having opinions on things you never knew existed existed before. exactly and knowing how to do sports that you wouldn't stand a chance <laughs> of ever doing yeah exactly all right so here's the question before we end what is the sport that you think you would be that you're just like oh yeah i'd be great at that like when we were when i asked Flora duffy this one time she was like oh i would be great at surfing i'm like have you ever surfed and she was like no <laughs> <laughs> oh I love, but knowing flora she would be like she
1: probably yeah, yeah, be like, oh, yeah. what would i be good at um I'd just have to say the cross-country skiing, I think. Okay. You think you'd just be amazing at it? I'd just be awesome. Far out. I'm not sure which technique, but I'd have to do both. Um, I probably should say that with the biathlon, because I used to to be in the military, so I guess I should, in theory, be able to shoot a gun, but I'm not sure. I would love to be good, though, at... um, yeah just the pure the downhills the slalom those like no no i'd be terrible at that so bad yeah that's what i would love to do i did try um i've tried the um skeleton before but on like just a a push track so not on snow um but i'm not sure i could actually do that but
0: yeah what about you i think i i would be bad at all the winter sports like i'm terrible like i just would be like nope this is (laughs) is bad it's terrible you'd be good at the après ski is that what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah I was convinced I was a really good ice skater at one point and then I was like, oh yeah, no I'm not. <laughs> cuz I could like turn in a circle and I was like, yeah, I'm amazing.
1: <laughs> I would be hoping, like we went years ago me and my sisters went we all met in New York cuz it seemed to be the halfway point and um it was near it was early December so it was winter and we obviously had to go ice skating in Central Park right. and it was all like the the movie And three, there's four of us, three of us are relatively sporty. I'd say my eldest sister wouldn't necessarily class herself sporty. And when the three of us are like clinging onto the edge of the ice rink, like the bat, and she's just like pirouetting off the middle. And we were like, where did you learn to ice skate?
0: So yeah, no, I'd be rubbish at that as well. I lived in Morocco for a little while. And there's one ice skating rink in the bottom of Mega Mall and I was like the best ice skater anyone had ever seen because I like had grown up ice so I was like there you go I'm amazing yeah. <laughs> so. well the they, the Moroccans had
1: had a bobsleigh team mm-hmm. which I thought was they have some people. Uh, no sorry Monaco oh Monaco not Morocco yeah I was it's like I don't think Morocco had a bobsleigh no, team but I think they did. had like yeah a
0: skier in there um, so. and Jamaica but we all know that mm-hmm. yeah so see we're gonna be great it's gonna be amazing yeah. <laughs> next week we'll figure we'll discuss <laughs> oh, fun. all right thanks Ed. uh chat yes. soon thanks kelly All right, this week we have a very special guest, my husband, Steve Romero, who's here not just because he's my husband, also because he, and he would like everyone to know this, is the Tahoe 70.3 champion and is coming back from a brain surgery. So, Steve, you just started riding outside again post-brain surgery after like two years. What's the hardest part about riding back outside?
2: Um, I would say taking it slow, uh, for one thing, for sure. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's just a, a positive experience. I mean, I never never thought I would appreciate riding through cul-de-sac streets and bike paths more in my life. It definitely gives you a new appreciation. It helps certainly helps that everything is green and gorgeous right now in Marin. Uh, but it just feels good to be outside. I mean, yeah, it's it's been all all trainer um for the most part since uh fall of twenty nineteen. Um I, I finished Netflix in December of 2019, so I had the the jump on everybody with the pandemic watch.
0: So I feel like we should start by telling everybody what happened. Obviously, uh, if you're here, we'll we'll headline this something like brain surgery to Beijing Olympics. Uh, summer 2019, we were at a local triathlon, and that's kind of kind of where the story starts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, I was uh, racing the Donner Lake uh, Triathlon, doing their uh, half Ironman distance. Um, And uh, apparently, uh, while I was riding, uh, a dog jumped out of a car. Um, I say apparently because uh, I have no recollection of this. I I was riding and then I woke up in Reno.
0: You don't even remember Uh, talking to me from the ambulance.
2: Yeah, apparently I spoke in the ambulance, um, which subsequently, as brain stuff further progressed over the next year, we learned that I remained uh, remarkably lucid while in a pretty bad place. Uh, maybe, maybe something that a lot of triathletes have in common. It may be a little bit of a ingredient that goes to being okay at it in in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, apparently I talked in the ambulance, but I I remember waking up in Reno. Uh, but anyway, good good news, good news. I missed the dog. Uh, dog's okay. Uh, but bad news, I, you know, obviously had a pretty bad concussion, hence the being knocked unconscious for some amount of time. Uh, broke a few ribs, popped my hip out of place, and got a little scraped up.
0: At first, though, I feel like, I mean, we you took off work that first week, and we kind of, I mean, honestly, we were just sort of like, well, it's a bad bike crash, but but it's fine. Like, you were more annoyed about your hip than about anything.
2: Yeah, the hip was a big concern because I couldn't run. Uh, then anyone who's ever broken ribs knows that that's uh, certainly an attention grabber, right? Anything where it hurts to sleep and to laugh and to an extent to breathe. And that kept me from swimming. But of course, swimming is not a real sport anyway. So I'm less heartbroken to not be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, initially it seemed like the hip and ribs were the more notable thing until um, one day, about two weeks in, Um, I was walking to work at the Capitol and basically out of nowhere had this little stumbly episode and all that collapsed, uh, which was then followed by a pretty terrible throbbing headache. Um, At that point, um, they sent me back to the ER. Uh, It was like an eight-hour situation where they did a scan, looked at it, talked about it for a while, uh, and then ultimately, you know, I was diagnosed with bad post concussive syndrome, um, which is a, is a very, is a very real, very real condition that, uh, causes a lot of problems for people. And certainly there's probably some of going on
0: that time when we went to the ed emergency room and I, I mean, it was pretty bad. Yeah. You had like collapsed in your office. I had to come like get you off the floor and like carry you out of the, it was pretty not good.
2: I think collapsing in the office may have actually been another time. The next time.
0: time? Anyway, we went back to the emergency <laughs> room and they scanned your head, an CT scan, and I remember them telling us, oh, it's fine, you have a hematoma, just don't Google it, it'll be fine. <laughs> don't Google it. Like, uh... That's that's
2: good good advice for a lot of things in life, <laughs> don't Google it. Don't Google it.
0: Might have been better if we had Googled um, it this time, actually.
2: Could have been, could have been. Yeah, there, there's things uh, in this where, you know, um, but again, you know, you take you take your you're fine. It's just going to suck for a while, as the news that it is right. It's going to suck for a while. Uh, but you know, obviously, in, in mixing up which collapse um, we were referring to here, uh, obviously that means there were numerous uh, in the subsequent months after the the accident, which was in July of 2019. Uh, yeah, I collapsed in my boss's office in the Capitol. Collapsed on the way to the Capitol. Um, collapsed in a pizza place with my parents that one was pretty good we walked into this family pizza restaurant and we had to wait for a table so we walked over to the bar which i got to and subsequently basically tipped over um, and got the uh we're not going to serve you look uh pretty pretty clear uh from the whole staff there and i think it's actually kind of remarkable they then even gave us a table uh because it looked like i had i had come in maybe six or seven or 12 drinks deep, uh, having actually, in fact, had none.
0: Right. I do think all the times we went to the emergency room and we kept saying like, no, it looks like he's drunk. It looks like he's, they maybe just thought you were drunk.
2: Totally. It is it is an issue, right, in going to the emergency room. And if you're basically going to the emergency room and you appear drunk and your main symptom is you have a headache, you're not high up the triage list. Uh, So it's it's a bit of a wait and an experience, uh, particularly in... uh, a big city County. Uh, community ER. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. We got the full Cook County yeah, style you get, you ER. Get,
2: you, <laughs> get me, you get metal detected. Yeah. We, I mean, by that, I mean, ultimately by the time the whole thing was said and done, we probably had two dozen visits to that ER. Uh, and yeah, they, they basically knew us at that point. It was like cheers with the entry staff with getting wanted and they didn't even have to explain what to do at that point. We know, you know, where you put your change and, how how fast to walk through the metal detector or not. Oh, um
0: but yeah so there was like so I also have a
2: steel rod in one of my legs right. and um that that occasionally would set it off and occasionally not. So that was always kind of the fun surprise going in. Uh from the trips going in that I remember. Right, right, there right. are of course some which I do not.
0: Yeah. So that you had the accident in July, as we're saying like we kind of just thought it was bad con- or I don't know if we thought, but the doctors were telling us it's just bad concussive syndrome. And you kept training because you were supposed to do Nice, 70 point three worlds in September. And so you kept training because they kept mm-hmm. telling you, you're fine. Like, it's fine. You're just tipping over in pizza places. It's fine. And, and yep. that kind of lasted for three. I mean, they eventually gave us a neurology appointment three months later.
2: Right. Well, so coming out of the first uh, return to the ER, so not the Reno trip itself, but um, the, first, the first trip to the ER uh, back where we lived at the time in Sacramento. Yeah. I got a follow-up neurology appointment uh, three months out um so it was beginning of august at that point that appointment was end of uh october which you know i mean totally it's a it's an impacted field Mm -hmm. they deal with a lot of headaches and everything from that to serious injuries right and you know it's apparently quite impacted and you also again when you're in this position and you're getting discharged from hospitals and they're telling you it's going to be okay it's just going to suck that's it's kind of it's not not purely good news, but it's you know it's news you'll take, right? That you like. It's always good to get discharged from the hospital after sitting in a waiting room for five hours and then sitting on a gurney in a hallway for another three. You're you're not if they're telling you you're good, you're not exactly eager to to stay.
0: Obviously, the punchline is before we made it to that neurology appointment, you had emergency brain surgery. <laughs> That's the whole
2: like. Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that was quite that was quite the follow-up appointment uh, so you know how when you when you go to any initial medical visit you always have the intake form which effectively is you know why are you here what can we help you with uh, so yeah I didn't I didn't fill that one out uh, for that appointment because I had 200 staples in my head at that point
0: so so after like the three months and you're still training and I mean you had to go back mm-hmm. off work again because you couldn't get yeah. work and they're telling us you're fine it obviously all came to a, where it was well, not fine.
2: Eventually. yeah I mean well the interesting thing about the training too actually and the the bit of advice we got must have been in that first uh, ER visit um was that they really encourage you to get back mm-hmm. to exercise and that's actually shown to have a a really a really good impact on outcomes uh that's actually both the case for posts like just concussive your garden variety concussion recovery and then ultimately what it turned out I actually had it um, down the road. Um, so yeah, it was funny. Like even just coming out of the accident in July, like somebody's like, Oh, you no, know, you should be back to exercise right away. And I had taken a few days cause you know, my ribs were broken and my hip was dislocated before I got back on the trainer. Um, and they, they agreed. That was actually probably that was totally a totally good idea. Yeah. But as Kelly was saying, um, so I mean, yeah, the symptoms were pretty bad through August, the month after the accident, I ultimately had to take another leave from work because while well, they recommend exercise, um, they, um, basically encourage you to avoid, uh, decisions, screen time and stress. Um, and I think probably a lot of people listening to this would say that their job is basically those things. M- mine certainly was, I was working as a chief of staff for a member of the assembly at that time. And my job was largely decisions and stress. <laughs> and in between that, it was on screens. So yeah, they put me on another med leave and yeah, they encouraged me to keep exercising, which again, I think going back to, you know, Fans of the show, if you're told not to work and to exercise, that's not a bad uh, treatment protocol. Um, But yeah, so I was on another couple week med leave. I I had had a week right after the accident where they basically said, sit in a dark room and take it easy. And, you know, I rode the trainer a little. Then I was back at work, episodes through work. Bright lights would trigger it like crazy as well. Uh, Then September uh, is a busy time for the California state legislature. So I had to come back. Uh, and that actually went OK through the month of September. I actually wasn't having the terrible episodes. My, my symptoms that month were more like a a moderate hangover every day, despite having not drank anything. Uh, then subsequently, um, we actually were in a little bit of a fight trying to get one of our uh, bills signed into law by the governor. And it, it came to a head right before the the final deadline. Uh, as most things in the legislature do. The legislature kind of works like a procrastinating college student and the, the administration does in signing the bills as well. Um, so last few days we get it signed and I, you know, started to develop a bit of a headache through that process. Uh, and like anyone just kind of attributed it to being a work headache. Uh, then we we got our bill signed, we're thrilled, but then the next day it was a little worse. And the next day it was bad enough. I had to head home from the office early and the day after that, it was bad enough, I couldn't go in. Right. Uh, by that afternoon, uh, we decided- uh, to, go probably, to, ER you, you me, to go back to the <laughs> ER. To go back to the ER. Uh, and the last thing I remember that week uh, was entering the ER, getting wandered, directed to the waiting room, stadium seating, uh, and a nurse uh, handing me a vomit bag. Uh, so she handed me the vomit bag which I then proceeded to immediately vomit in only to learn that the bag she handed me didn't have a bottom. It was basically a sleeve. So I just like my throw up just sprayed across the room. Uh, and that's uh, that's the last thing I remember that week uh, before I woke up the Friday um, with uh, 200 staples in my head. Right. Um, yeah.
0: So I mean, uh, yeah. App-
2: yeah, Apparently. So that was like Wednesday Apparently, I got discharged that day right. because I passed the, uh, the physical and cognitive tests.
0: It was pretty bad. So they,
2: they sent me home. They, uh,
0: as you can tell, I mean, obviously, if you, we were not eager to go back to the ER. We, like, called the nurse hotline because we'd been in the ER a bunch. And they said, no, like, you need to go to the ER. You need to get a CT scan. And so that Wednesday that you don't remember, I was sitting there with the doctor saying, are you sure he doesn't need a CT scan? The only reason we came in is to make sure there isn't blood in his brain. Are you sure he doesn't need a CT scan? And they said,
2: nope, and sent us home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So apparently they sent me home um, and we went home. And then the next day I was uh, stumbling around our apartment. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have no recollection of that day. Apparently the line where we decided to go back to the ER was when I was looking for the uh, toilet in the laundry room and assisting that, insisting that it was definitely in there. So apparently that was the next line where um, you yeah. uh, decided that we should go back.
0: You kept trying to pee in the um, kitchen and insist that you needed to go to work for something. about sure, some, yeah. I'd like, like, you have to be like, you got to call Dylan or whatever. <laughs>
2: <I was> <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always good to talk to Dylan. So, um, so yeah. Fortunately, Kelly took me back, and apparent apparently getting me down the stairs from our apartment was a bit of a thing. bad
0: so yeah so i think like we've established you're clearly i think one of the big symptoms people should realize like this, not a concussive symptom that is a like neurological symptom is that you couldn't maintain balance right that you like kept tipping over yeah so we got to the top of our stairs this like set of concrete stairs and you started to just tip forward and when i say like i've told people that you started falling down the stairs they think i mean like you stumbled but like you just literally started to like Base plant straight down this and so i had to mm-hmm. dive and like hold onto the railing and like hold you up and uh it also says something about the neighborhood we lived in at the time that i was like screaming and no one came out like everyone just like closed their blinds mm-hmm. so yeah yeah my line steve is that crossfit saved your life because i had to pull some crossfit moves yeah. to
2: Yeah, I don't know how you got me down those stairs. And then, so apparently we're back in the ER that night and similar deal. I'm apparently still passing the cognitive and physical tests, which again, triathletes out there, beware, you may still pass those things when you should not. It might be partially why you're able to keep going in that Ironman when you are, whether or not that's something you've trained or whether or not it's just something about you that made you good at it in the first place. But nevertheless, I apparently am passing these tests, you know, when I'm basically blackouts. Uh, we then learned brain bleed in my head. Right. Uh, and uh, actually just before, apparently they were going to discharge me again, I got up and stumbled to the bathroom and did one of the little falls that, you know, we had been describing had been happening since August. And a, a random nurse saw it and told the head of the ER that this guy needs a brain scan now. Yeah. So they sent me back in and apparently in wheeling me out were explaining to Kelly... Um, that, um, you know, it was going to take a while for radiology to diagnose this, uh, at which point the guy who did the x-ray apparently just looked at it and said,
1: nope. <laughs> oh yeah. No, not. <laughs>
2: uh, so they called, they called the chair of neurosurgery and ultimately they cut my head open at about three, 4am Friday morning. And I, I subsequently woke up, uh, fortunately still alive. Uh, really grateful about that, and with uh, you know, a bunch of staples in my head and a, a new haircut. They actually uh, they shave half of it, so I had like a half hawk <laughs> going. It looks looks pretty good in the pictures, and I got I got a lot of respect for people from people that I actually kept that for probably about even ten days out of the hospital before we thought to just shave it off and clean it up.
0: Yeah, uh, what you technically had was a subdural hematoma, which means that the what happened was that the lining that is between. And everyone's brain and their skull, there's just like a lining there, had just torn slightly in the original accident and just like slowly bled over time. And like, probably could, I mean, you hadn't had a CT scan since the three weeks after the accident. So probably that whole time it had been just building up and they had just been like giving you painkillers, which was probably not great. And telling you, like, there were things we could have done if they had caught it earlier. And instead it just kind of built up until it was two and a half centimeters by the time they finally got it. It was big. It was so big. basically yeah.
2: your brain, you've seen a picture of a brain. You have like the two lobes. I basically had one yeah. at that point because it was so pushed to one side, um, which apparently is quite serious. Apparently there's, you know, real chances of death and even, even greater probability that you're going to have to relearn how to talk and eat and, and walk um, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm very very fortunate that that was not the case for me. I mean, aside from having to eat from the burn victims unit the first few days in recovery in the ICU because my face had been cut open uh, as they got into my skull, or really more the jaw and the fascia around there. Uh, but yeah, aside from being on the milkshake diet for a few days with that, I was you know quite fortunate on the the basic stuff, which. Again, I don't know if it's it's luck. Some people attribute it again to it. It might be a product of having been a bit healthy, so there's another bonus if you're mm-hmm. you know staying relatively active in your life, and that it it might improve outcomes in these kind of things like that. Um,
0: it's hard to say though, because obviously the other thing that was very clear while we were in the ICU is this doesn't happen to young people. It's like a pretty common thing for old yeah. people because the space between your brain and your skull, like your brain shrinks as you age, so there's like more space valves and this is more common. But old, younger people, part of the reason they like dismissed it early on was that in general, I think young people like it reabsorb the blood just gets like clots and reabsorbs, like it's not. Uh, so I don't I. They, like, basically had never seen a young person with this before, or a young healthy person. They had never discharged someone from the ICU. They had to, like, figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I you know. Again, on the, you know, again, on the the really fortunate side of things, like, I was the guy who was able to walk around the ICU uh, with, with supervision to make sure I didn't tip over, of course. But I was the guy who was able to walk around the ICU on day three or four. Right. Um, so that was really good. And then, yeah, uh, apparently, I mean, one reason why they discharged me straight out of the ECU was there were not regular rooms available, but they also thought I was okay enough, which was also good and good to get home. Yeah.
0: And then they kind of, I mean, I think the other thing now has been that was just over two years ago. And a lot of people that we talked to obviously think that there's some kind of like very formal rehab process for coming back from like brain surgery or brain injury. And to a degree since then, they kind of just like were like sending us home with some recommendations, like come back and get your staples out in three weeks. And there's been more processes, but that's been pretty much it. It's been kind of like a figuring it out as we go yeah. situation.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's things there are processes for mm-hmm. for sure. Like if I had been in the unfortunate position to have to relearn how to walk, right? That's definitely something that I'm. I, I believe the PTS have like a really straightforward protocol for if I had had to relearn how to eat. Similar, similar deal. Same with the same with the speech. Um, so I think that there there's certain things that are like you know cleaner rehab. But then, yeah, your brain just being. Uh, you know, a bit compromised is a trickier one, and you know, obviously, brain, brain surgery is kind of something we point to as like you know a pinnacle of scientific knowledge and prowess, which it certainly is. And I'm alive be- because of it. Uh, on the other hand, there's still a lot that's really not known. It's definitely a bit of a a bit of a wild west, um, both in understanding how the brain works and recovers from these type of things. And interestingly, as, you know, more research has come uh, for particularly people um, in a younger demographic, a lot of it has actually come um, from the military where, you know, head injuries like this happen Uh, uh, from mixed martial arts. They put some money in it, whatever the association that has that big league. Uh, And then the NFL has, has uh, finally started putting some money into it as well too. And, uh, one interesting thing that's come out of that is um, the only thing that's shown to actually uh, improve outcomes from a statistical, like demonstrated perspective is exercise. Uh, and it's not even just like go for a walk exercise, but it's real exercise. Because as you might imagine, these professional athletes and, you know, young, young men and women in the military, um, they, you know, had them getting back to some, some real stuff. Um, so that's, you know, um, you know again, took me to a point where I certainly wasn't uh, able to do anything where I had a risk of hitting my head, but it put me in a place where what I was told to do was exercise and that I was allowed to progressively ramp.
0: Mm-hmm. It is weird, though. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have the conversation that you always have with doctors where they say like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you can go work out. And then you like try and explain what an actual workout looks like. I remember you trying to go through a whole, like, really detailed, like, can I do pull-ups? Can I do push-ups? Can I do yoga? Yeah. Like
2: Well, that's an important thing to watch, yeah. too. If you do have any kind of acute bleed concern, strength is something that they're not eager for you to get back to because of how the blood effectively pumps or flows with that. So that was one thing. That was one thing that, yeah, straining, exactly. That was one thing that I was uh, told not to do for a while before they, they green-lighted it.
0: But then as you, um, but then you were allowed to do like running, endurance stuff. And basically, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, it took, it took a while to get into the rehab program. Cause again, we, you know, medical system is pretty impacted. So it was a couple months in when I got to the, the actual rehab department within the hospital system. Uh, and at that point I was actually back to work, uh, you know, help. you know, running an assembly office um, for the most part, obviously great, great member. Uh, and great great team doing doing so much when I was so incapacitated with all of this. Um, but um, when the rehab doctors uh, came to understand what I had gone back to work to do, um, they had a little bit of a different opinion as to whether or not that was a good idea. And that's another interesting thing to watch for anybody who's ever dealing with anything in this type of space, uh, because to that point, uh, and even to an extent in that appointment, Doctors are pretty wary about telling you not to go back to work, uh, and, and for good reason. Um, because if you're not going back to work um, at a job that's maybe not super hard, right, if you're not going back to that means that, like, your children will be homeless, um, that's going to be worse for your head than going back to, like, a kind of hard even medium hard job right? right so they're they're always wary about like telling you uh, not to, to to go back if that could actually create more problems like if you also were gonna lose your health care or something for instance um, but um, when they asked what I did for a living and came to understand that our cats would in fact still eat if I did not immediately go back to that they immediately put me on a three-month med leave which was then extended to a six-month, um, and, and with that, you know, they highly encouraged me to exercise and greenlighted me to ramp it at, uh, frankly, a rate that just from my athletic performance perspective, I think is actually a little aggressive. <laughs> so I even even ramped it slower just because I thought that was more beneficial from a fitness perspective anyway, and why not? Um, so yeah, I basically was a, you know, pseudo professional athlete sitting at home watching the cats and riding the trainer and running um and could have could have swam as well but that was at that point uh kind of peak people actually being concerned about the right. pandemic so pools were closed
0: right i mean we kind of started our i mean we watched all the netflix like you said before everybody else and then we already weren't going anywhere or doing anything
2: and then- oh yeah the virus was still just in china when we uh finished netflix right
0: and then so eventually though, you I mean you had cross country skied before and mm-hmm. you ended up getting back into that more because it was better for your head than biking outside. I mean you still have I not been mean, biking outside. And uh and basically ended up making like qualifying to uh to be on the Irish Irish team and, and should be in Beijing right now, basically.
2: Yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Uh, objectively yes yes (laughs) um but yeah so in that in that spring you know obviously with my still relatively light athletic training load and being told not to work and the world's being shut down uh for everybody um i was catching up with my uh cross-country ski team manager i had actually uh, skied for ireland a couple years prior um at the world championship and at uh, some other races Uh, and in talking to him, you know, it kind of came up that I was going to be living somewhere the next year with snow, uh, for the first time in my life. And, um, yeah, I was basically told to do nothing, but take it easy and exercise in the meantime. So he kind of, you know, we kind of together came up with the notion that maybe I, maybe I should renew my international license and, We did, and I hopped into a couple races that actually happened uh, in the Mountain West uh, last season and hit the uh, Olympic standard. Uh, And at first, that was just novel um, because we we traditionally have sent uh, one athlete uh, from Ireland. We've traditionally had one spot, and the the possibility that I could hit the standard and potentially be the one to fill it in the Olympics was was certainly a motivator in how I got serious about cross-country skiing years back. Uh, but in this instance, um, and, and subsequently, since I got into it back at 2015, 16, um, we had another good skier who's come along. Uh, a, frankly, a far better skier um, who definitely was always going to be taking one of our, our our one spot for the foreseeable future. Uh, his name is Thomas Maloney Westgard, and he's a phenomenal skier. Grew up in Norway. Uh, so I had hit I had hit the standard, but it didn't really mean a ton because yeah, we were definitely going to send Thomas with our country's one quota right. spots, like no question. And I, anyway. uh, Thomas subsequently skied so well that uh, our nation went into the top twenty in the uh, global ranking. At which point, we were awarded three quota spots, and and with that, three of us had the standard, and that's where uh, you know, the wheels started to turn light bulbs started going on a bit that this was a a real possibility. Um, and I mean, I had hit the standard racing with a downhill ski helmet. And for anybody who knows cross-country skiing, there are, there are no helmets involved. So it was definitely, you know, I, I hit it with a season where like, you know, we were, even though it had been approved by my, my medical team as something that was safer than Viking, we were still, you know, taking, taking precautions. So it seemed like there was, uh, both a lot of a lot of room to improve in the subsequent season, and something really exciting to to strive for. Right. And
0: you ended up uh, because of all that, you kind of ended up. I don't want to say putting on hold, but you kind of went all in on the Olympics then to try and make the Olympics. I mean, we were you were gone most of the last few months. I mean, we were in Canada, we were in Minnesota, getting hitting races, training, getting ready, and I guess people don't. I mean, for people who don't know how the Olympics works, like you hit the standard you were one of three athletes qualified they had three spots and then they decided just to send one person and not send all three
2: yeah 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 um i mean if anybody's ever seen the the movie hoosiers um <laughs> i actually don't think the uh, ski expert at the snow association of ireland has seen it but um for those who have um they effectively did that though for a reason in this case that was um not super clear to us, uh, un- unfortunately, um, and obviously, uh, heartbreaking results and like a lot of uh, nomination uh, procedures, there's a lot of discretion. Um, the pretty, pretty universal read by people who know uh, standards criteria, read the the one that we had is saying that they would fill the quota with eligible athletes, uh, pretty unequivocally, but nevertheless, they decided that they had the Discretion not to and uh, chose to do that um, for one reason or another. That's still a little unclear. I mean, at a minimum, like there was some infighting going mm-hmm. on within the association and, you know, that what happened to but both myself and uh, my teammate as well, who was in a similar boat, had qualified, was eligible and also was then not sent to Beijing. Um, yeah, we we just, um, you know. We hit the objective standards in their their documents that also were good enough for the Olympics. But um, they decided that that uh, wasn't uh, good enough for this, for whatever reasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of political infighting. But the other thing was, like, for people, I think a lot of people, they watch the Olympics and they see it. And it's, like, inspiring and all this stuff. And, you know, brain surgery at the Olympics would have been an inspiring story. But they don't know, like, kind of all, if you're not, if you've never gone through the process, you don't know, like, kind of how it works. And if there was something that was going to make somebody who's gone through brain surgery, like, the appeals process and the num- and the pa- paperwork and the number of documents and then proof and then emails and, like, lawyers involved, like, it's not, it's like if you could make yeah. something that was bad for a brain.
2: <laughs> a brain. Yeah, no it, was, no, it was funny. And I, another interesting thing with the process, right? So, uh, again, it's, I mean, there's never a normal time to have a serious brain injury, but having one... That basically starts just before a global pandemic kicks off also means, of course, that I haven't been seeing a lot of close friends and family as regularly as I otherwise would have. So like in catching up with people, they hear that you're pursuing this Olympic thing and it sounds like you're just totally good. (laughs) Right. And fortunately, physically. Yeah. I mean, for a, you know, 39 year old who's, you know, worked a actual job most of his career. um, Yeah, I'm pretty good, pretty good on the, the physical front. Uh, But yeah, the injury is still, you know, something that, you know, takes a while to heal and something you have to deal with for for some time on the cognitive front. It's kind of like the equivalent would be if it was a if it was a sports injury um, and I was a marathon runner, um, I'm back cognitively to the point where I could run like 15 miles or something and probably probably um, probably not, you know, putting in a hundred and fifty mile week. Um, and it's you know again it's 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 weird to understand because it's like a cognitive limitation um not so much in high level thinking but in a lot of just like processing and tracking different stuff right
0: and i guess and like in that analogy like most people don't run 50 miles you're still like better off than most people and it seems totally fine yeah. but then there's like little things where it's just it's a it's a mess it's a fucking mess
2: and filling out those yeah forms and it's also
0: is terrible
2: Oh, yeah. And I mean, thankfully, Kelly was very helpful in the process. But, um, yeah, I mean, the the appeals process is not designed for uh, you to win as the uh, appellant. <laughs> um, and we, we did, we did, in fact, win in the one external part of the process. Um, but that was then, um, you know, kicked back to the same decision makers, ultimately. Um, and again, whether or not it was a product of, of infighting, um, or a product of identity crisis. It's, it's hard to say for sure, but um, yeah, I mean, it was still it was still fun to chase. I came closer to the Olympics than a 39 year old brain surgery victim is ever supposed to, um, and it was largely fun in chasing it. Um, I mean, trying to be an international ski racer in the the global warming era is something else. Yeah. Um, my uh, my first actual ride back uh, on the road was actually in, uh, Yellowstone, uh, where I was for a ski race and camp. Uh, it was canceled, uh, for the first time in 30 years, uh, due to a lack of snow. Uh, and, you know, in talking to the people at the ski shop, they recommended that I bike. Uh, so I rode a, a rental mountain bike, uh, on, uh, closed, closed park roads, uh, in, in the national park. So that was cool. Um, and also, it's it's usually closed because typically it's covered with snow and ice uh, by November. In this case, it was uh, wide open and dry and sunny. Right.
0: So you got into tri... I mean, we both got into triathlon in college. We both did college try. Uh, totally different now. And now you've done, like... Now you've done a couple 70.3s? And uh, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because yeah, cool. I had done
2: the Donner mm-hmm. one one year before the accident. Um, and then I did Tahoe. guess I did Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa Rosa. Mm-hmm.
0: You've done Worlds twice. Um, and-, and then,
2: yeah, I did all, yeah. Uh, Sunshine Coast, Worlds, and, and Nice. Okay. Uh, nice, granted, was in the previously mentioned year. It wasn't uh, – wasn't my A-game. We didn't exactly, I mean, we kind of thought it wasn't my A-game because my training had been pretty interrupted. Uh, It turns out there was probably other reasons why it wasn't my best day. Yeah. Um, But um, it was, I mean, it's obviously, you can never complain too much about having, I've had to take a trip to, to, you know, to to France.
0: Yeah, that trip was a disaster though. And again, on things that like brain injury victims don't do well with, logistics, figuring out flights, hotels, Mm -hmm. other languages.
2: Yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, quick paths to meltdown. So I was, you know, very lucky to have Kelly there. At that stage, I was also hyper light sensitive as well, too. So you had that. But yeah, Kelly kept me afloat enough that I was able to start and complete. (laughs) Um, Which again, you know, you never obviously with, you know, things that happen in life, that's, you know, something to be grateful for, right? Uh, um, That's, that's the last triathlon I've, I've done. Yeah, So that's what I was just thinking. good.
0: So you're kind of toying with the idea of getting back to the triathlon now. But when we both started, I mean, college tri was like way different. It was like when you did it, it was like in people's backyards and Wildflower was Nationals. And now it's like obviously much more bunch bigger and much mm-hmm. more sophisticated. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, you're making me out to be a little older <laughs> than I actually am. Wildflower uh, was Nationals for the last time the year before uh, I started. Okay. Uh, I started the first year there was a Nationals that was its own thing. I think it was in somewhere in the South mm-hmm. uh, that first year. And then I did it the the next few when it was in a couple locations in Arizona. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely definitely a different thing, but it was still a fantastic way to get into the sport. Uh, and I mean, that college diathlon ultimately led me to get into, to bike racing, which I then did for the, uh, most decade, the next decade. And that's what most of my most serious athletic time has, has been in. Um, but yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun. The club atmosphere is both like, uh, something where there's like a good opportunity to learn, uh, some good competition, but it's also very, very welcoming and quite a bit of fun.
0: The college club scene. Yeah.
2: I guess, I guess, yeah, it's, it, it's been changing. Of course, it's gotten more professionalized. But yeah.
0: I mean, now it's going to be NCAA. So I'm, sh-
2: I'm sure, I'm sure they still have fun. I'm
0: sure they still have fun. And okay, So now, uh, moving forward, you're thinking about getting back in a try, kind of experimenting with biking on the road. What is like the hardest part?
2: Experimenting. I'm riding, riding for 20 minutes from my house in a bike path and on almost closed roads. I'm, I am biking. What was my roller ski route? <laughs> uh, which basically means a route where you don't have to use brakes. And that's because roller skis do not have them.
0: Yeah, roller skiing do. Um,
2: so basically smooth smooth road where I'm like very aware of what little risk there is and just getting used to being back out on a bike outside, uh, which has been nice. Um, again, it's, it's a little invigorating to actually feel some wind uh, blowing on your face that's not from a fan.
0: But what's the hardest part out of all, you know, getting back into all the different sports or, you know, doing all the different sports with the brain injury?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, the hardest thing about it last year when I was in serious training trying to make the Olympics uh, was both uh, avoiding things that would uh, lead to risk of hitting my head, which, you know, would have been like going for like, you know, hard, crazy four-hour rides or super fast roller skis with hard efforts outside So I basically, I had to get in that type of workload while minimizing those types of risks. And I mean, the reason for that was one, I was still, you know, less than two years out from my surgery. So we wanted to be extra careful. Two years is something we're told is kind of a key marker. And I hit that this past October. So there was that. And there was also the fact that I had this sort of amazing opportunity where as long as I didn't get hurt, I was sitting as one of three guys for a country with three spots who had the standard. Right, so I also had a big incentive not to have any kind of little hiccup, uh, and the main concern was, you know, with mm-hmm. head, but also certainly even like a broken wrist in October, November could have been devastating. Um, so with that, to make up the volume, I mean, you saw my my summer training routine. I mean, skiing, skiing to a degree. Period is kind of like the hold my beer triathlon. I'll show you complicated. Uh, but it's uh, it's that much more still if you're dealing with a brain injury because instead of just like going for a hard two and a half hour roller ski, I was basically getting in some of the efforts on the skier and some of the efforts on the bike trainer, and then going over to our condo complex pool to effectively MacGyver my own combination. <laughs> that was effectively skiing. I mean, some triathletes can probably relate in what they were trying to do to mimic swimming back when pools were closed in 2020. I basically had to do that to, to come up with my volume and proper load while avoiding things that we thought I should avoid. And again, it wasn't, I mean, doctors were good with me biking by that point, but it was just, right. again, like... When when are you going to introduce something new? Because when you introduce anything new, there's of course always going to be a little bit of risk and a learning curve, and a learning curve has a real cost for a brain surgery victim. Uh, and we just decided that with everything on the table, um, that I was going to you know not start biking outside. At that point, I was going to limit you know you know focus my risk on the the easy roller skiing I did do. Um, and then yeah, do, do running with poles and all, all the other stuff that skiers do. A lot of balance work on the BOSU ball and TRX at home. Yeah. So there was, there was not a small number of days where I trained across five modalities. Um
0: So you're looking forward to getting back to
2: triathlon that only has three. Yeah. Nice, simple, <laughs> quaint sport like triathlon. Right. Um, but no, I mean I do I do love ski racing and definitely you know plan to to keep doing that. There's some great some great regional races out in the Sierra, um, so want to want to get back to that at some point down the road. Uh, winter triathlon would be interesting because swimming is replaced with cross country skiing, so that's something that.
0: Yeah, I told you they were thinking about making cool. that an Olympic sport. So
2: mm-hmm. might not be fast but, enough. That for could you. be fun. Yeah. What are you, what are you saying? Fast enough? Like enough? What's, what's the. <laughs> Soon enough for you to make it. <laughs> I don't know. This, our, our first cross country skier for Ireland uh, was 43 oh, yeah. uh, at the Salt Lake games in 2002. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's, you know, people, I mean, most of them are 22. Don't right. get me wrong, but. Um,
0: yeah. So last question, what are you most looking forward to then uh, in getting back to things in you know, biking outside in you know, possibilities moving
2: forward with brain injury? I mean, biking outside, definitely like company and in conversation mm-hmm. um, and, and exploring, right? I mean, a, a silver lining of not being able to do what you had done for a couple decades prior is all these rides that, you know, well, it's Marin, so they were still beautiful, but they're also new to me now. So it's like a lot of stuff that I've done more times than I could count. Um Will now be new again.
0: Yeah. Uh, anything you would tell people oh, also coming back from a bad TBI brain surgery? Brain surgery is rare, obviously. Most people just come back from bad, t- bad traumatic brain injuries. But
2: yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly be aware that anything that's impacting your your balance or gait should be uh, pretty pretty well assessed and like stay on that. Uh, and yeah, otherwise, I mean, I think. I think that, you know, the data is clear, like exercise is, is really positive in putting you on a better track. Um, I know uh, anecdotally from my own experience, when I look at like how my brain is doing in like a rest block um, or even right now, as I'm in like, you know, my Nutella diet off season um, it's my, my brain does better, it does better when it's exercising uh, regularly than when it's, when it's not for, for sure. Right.
0: You have to give yourself breaks and all that stuff too. It's tough.
2: Yeah. Pacing, pacing is big. Um, I mean, like anything, it it gives you quite a bit of perspective, um, in, in understanding the different, uh, difficulties that people can bring to the table for any given task. Uh, you know, little things, little things are harder Mm -hmm. when you're recovering from a brain surgery. So it's a reminder that other things are hard for different people for any variety of reasons.
0: Thanks so much for talking with Steve. I know, uh, I promised you $100,000 for doing the podcast, but probably
2: won't work. Yeah, I have it. It's all, I'm going to, the invoice is in your uh, email. Okay, All
0: right, thanks, Steve. Thanks to Sid and Steve for the fun episode. And thanks to all of you. Keep training and keep listening.